All right. Well, praise the Lord this morning. How are you guys doing today? Good. It's good to be in church, isn't it? It is. It is. You guys are looking good. The kids were looking good, and uh, I was just blessed to, to see my little ones up on stage, and that's, that's really cool. Rachel did a good job, and I get to kind of feel like Pastor Ben feels all the time with his kids doing worship, and then he's preaching, and it's a good feeling. You are blessed. We are blessed. And uh, so I'm, I'm really excited. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Pete. I am the youth pastor here at the Gateway Church. And uh, I chase your kids around. I ask them how they're doing, um, love on them the best I can. And, and so that's what I do. And, but it is my honor and my privilege today to kind of bring forth the word this morning as we uh, anticipate Christmas. And uh, somebody mentioned to me, like, hey, it's not Christmas yet. And I'm like, no, but it's coming. It's coming, and we're excited about it. And Christmas is not just about meeting with our families. It's not just about presents. It's about Jesus coming in the world. Amen? Amen. And we're excited about that. I mean, Jesus changed everything. And so we're really excited. And, and uh, so we're going to be walking through in great anticipation, um, great meditation on what God has done for us in the world. And so we're really excited about that. And so to kind of um, move forward with our, our series, the Nativity Story Surrounding Our Savior, I want you to get your Bibles out if you have them. Um, we're going to, I'll have you turn to two places and then we're going to read them both, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive in. Does that sound good this morning? Thumbs up. All right, sounds good. Anyway, that's what we're doing. So turn with me in your Bible to Matthew 1, um, verse 18, and then Luke 1, 26. And I'll say that again. Matthew 1, 18, and then Luke 1, 26. And so what we're going to do is going to read the, the two accounts, or Luke 2, excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, Luke 2, 26, and uh, we're going to read the two accounts of the story of Jesus coming, and it'll be, it'll be good. So we're going to start in Matthew 1. And uh, you guys ready? All right, follow along with me. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. But Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Praise the Lord for that. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Turn with me uh, to Luke 2. Luke 2. And uh, we'll start there, starting in verse 26. Let's read uh, Luke's account. Luke, uh, Luke 2, 26 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. 
the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. When I reach verses like that, I like to just pause and give thanks to God and, and just like, man, his word will never fail. His word will never fail. That's a, that is an encouragement to some of you here today, that his word in your life will never fail. Verse 38, Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Incredible. Incredible, the Christmas story. Incredible, the word that was spoken to Mary. You know, and through this series, we want to reflect. We want to meditate on the truths that lie within those pages. Just this week, um, Pastor Ben leads us um, as a staff, and we um, did an exercise. I don't know if many of you are familiar with, but it's called Lectico Divina. And it's a, it's a method to study the Scripture, and it's a great method. And um, in your bulletins, there's a green um, piece of paper. So if you have a bulletin, you want to pull it out. I just want to highlight one of the hearts behind um, what we're doing here through this series is to highlight the story of Jesus. And uh, so just as a staff, we went through this, this method um, in a, a scripture in Luke 11, and we came together and we read it and we talked about it, and it was a blessing. And I want to encourage you guys that we're going to go through the same process as a church with the Christmas story. The, the first thing you're going to do is, uh, you know, read Luke 1, 26 through 2:52, And uh, you're going to read it and, uh, and read the passage out loud and ask God to put you in the story. See, we really want to be put into the story here as we anticipate Christmas. We want to put ourselves, we want to say, hey, what do we hear? What do we see? What do we smell? What's going on? What do we taste and feel? Who's there? What's happening? You see, that helps us to get a better understanding of the events that took place. That these were real people with real stories, real feelings, not just characters. So we want to read, read it out loud and ask those questions. The second time, we want to read it and we want to reflect and meditate. Meditate on what you have heard. Ask the Lord, what do you want to say to me today, Lord? It's an important question. Anytime you go through any scripture, you should be asking yourself that question, asking the Lord that. What do you want to say to me, Lord? 
Then you want to notice what word or phrase or truth jumps out at you. Because God's word, I believe, is living and active. Amen. That every time we read it, there's a revelation waiting for you. There's something, a truth that God's trying to communicate to you. And when you read through it and your heart is in the right place, the scriptures are going to come alive. After all, it's the word of God. It's Jesus. This is the word. And when we read it, we want to let those words leap out at us. Then we want to ask, why? Why that truth? Why that word? We believe that every time God reveals to us a truth, that there's a reason behind it, amen? It's not for us just to go, oh, that's cool. Wow, neat. No, it's like that truth God has revealed to us for a reason to move us somewhere or to reveal something to us so we can carry out his will and his purpose in our life. Or maybe just to know that God loves us and he's for us and he's there in our life. Why that phrase, God? Ask him what he, what he is showing to you about himself, his people, or you. There's always a purpose behind the revelation that God gives you. The next time we want, you know, read it again and respond. I believe that this could be one of the most important pieces there. What's our response to that truth or that word? Ask God, what are you inviting me to do in, in, in this response? Write it down. Write down what God is putting into your heart. Maybe you are to give thanks. Maybe you are to love God more. I believe that this morning God is asking us to love him more. What a great response. Maybe it's to worship him more. Maybe he is calling us to worship him more, to confess something. Maybe you have something in your life that, that you desperately need to pour out before the Lord and confess. I don't know. Maybe he, he's asking you to receive the grace to do what he has asked you to do. Maybe you've got to surrender something in your life that you've been holding for yourself. Maybe you were to accept someone or something, some truth. Maybe he's calling you to rest. Maybe he's calling you to step out in faith. Reflect on that. There's a danger to just reading through. Not allowing God to speak to you, not allowing his truth to be revealed to you, and not asking yourself, what's my response to this? There's a danger in that. And the fourth time, you read it again, and you just linger. Say th things like, thank you, Jesus, for speaking with me. Thank you for talking with me. I enjoyed our encounter. and Let him fill and replenish you. We all need to be filled and replenished all the time, right? Amen. We do. We need it desperately. That's the purpose of our quiet times and our meeting is to praise him and to experience him. So why am I telling you all this? Why, why the handout in your bulletin? I'm highlighting all this because we're reading the Christmas story, right? And I think there's a danger to just reading through the Christmas story. You see, our heart behind what we're doing here is to take our time to read the story, to put ourselves in the place of the characters, to, to put ourselves in those shoes, to allow ourselves to feel what they felt, to hear what the Word is saying, what the Lord had told them. 
and allowing the deep richness of God's word and of the truth of this story and all the intricate details that were woven together happening simultaneously in the story of Jesus' birth to let that all come alive in our hearts in anticipation. So my first challenge to you as a church this morning, right off the bat, is to take this paper home and read the Christmas story a few times with your family out loud. Allow time for you guys to say, hey, what did you notice? Well, I noticed that, you know, Jesus was a baby. <laughs> yes. I noticed that uh, Mary was a virgin. I noticed, you know, hey, uh, John the Baptist, his story kind of surrounds Jesus as well. Like, let the truth come alive. I promise, I promise that if you guys take time as a family or with a friend or in a Bible study and you do this, that it's going to be a blessing that God's going to speak something to you that maybe you never heard before or something you had forgot or you're going to become more excited with more anticipation and your, your response is going to be, God, thank you, praise you. After all, that event was amazing, wasn't it? I said it earlier that the coming of Christ changed everything. It changed everything. The fact that salvation was no longer for the Jews. Christ came. Now it's for everyone. You know, by birthright, none of us really um, have the right to, to be children of God. But through Jesus, we do. There is a shift in works versus grace that we no longer earn our way to heaven by following the law, but it's a free gift given by God. That changed when Jesus Christ came. Uh, Jesus removed the separation between God and man. There's no longer a divide. Between God and man. We don't need a mediator. We don't need a prophet. We can hear and speak to God because of what Jesus did. Through Christ, the curse brought over man through Adam was undone. We are no longer cursed, but we are set free, washed clean, and made righteous. It set the stage for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the birth of the church. See, we need that. The Spirit of God can now dwell in us. We don't have to worship in a tabernacle. We can worship in our own home. That the, that the Spirit of God dwells in us. Jesus changed all of that. He fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies about the coming Messiah. That alone is mind-blowing. All the words spoken about Jesus, all the prophecies surrounding him about who he was and what he was going to do and where he would come from, all of that was completely and perfectly fulfilled in Christ. That's amazing. Jesus gave hope to the world. Because of Christ, we have hope. Praise God. Jesus' life created divide in the times, B.C. and A.D. Now, I know A.D. doesn't mean after death, but Jesus' life affected the world, and, and time kind of restarted when Jesus came. In a sense, there was a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There was, um, you know, the Old Covenant that God had through Abraham, then the New Covenant that came through Christ and his blood. Christ created that. You see, Christ's birth changed everything. Everything changed. It was an incredibly big deal. And through this series, what we're trying to do is give you a picture that all of heaven and earth was present, involved, and represented in the Nativity. Everybody. Pastor brought last week the idea that salvation is for everybody and highlighted the shepherds and the, or the, shepherds and the wise men and the magi and saying, look, from the greatest to the least of us, salvation is for us all. 
You see, hearing this story, we highlight it every year at Christmas. There's a danger that we could become um, desensitized, desensitized to it, that we could get used to hearing it, that we, you know, like, oh, yeah, we know that. But to meditate on that and to let the truth come alive is of the utmost importance as we look to celebrate it in great anticipation of our Savior. Pastor kind of presented that everything we need to know about the gospel we can learn from the nativity. He brought up the book that he found, and I think they had the slide that just the sense that everything you need to know, uh, everything I need to know for life I learned in kindergarten. Well, in the same sense, everything we need to know about the gospel we can learn from the nativity. Because it was such an incredible event. You know, you, you, there is a danger that you could become desensitized to it. We play a game in youth group. I bought this crazy weird thing. It's called the lightning shot game, okay, where I literally electrocuted your kids. And um, it, has, it has different settings on it, so you can, you can crank it way up, you know what I'm saying, and then the, the light goes on, and, and the first person to hit the button uh, is safe, and everybody else gets shocked. Um, and so you play through the music, and, and so a few of us kids were, were messing with that thing uh, prior to service because it was just fun. And uh, we were doing that, and so we were playing the game, and we cranked it all the way up to like level four and we were playing this game and it's like ah you know like you get shocked by it it was like man this is crazy well what happened was is we turned it down for the people who came so we went from four all the way back to one right and then we were, we played the game and we we're like oh i got shocked you know it wasn't as shocking and i think that you know as we hear the hear things there's that tendency just to get used to it or like when you take a shower and you get in and it's like oh it's hot it's real hot and then you keep turning it up turning it up turning it hotter turning it hotter i did that this morning hotter 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 but if you were to jump right in from just being there you know your body isn't ready for that yet all right but we don't want to become desensitized to Scripture or desensitized to the story of the nativity. We want to um, keep it fresh, keep it vibrant, keep it real before us and realize, like, this is Christmas. This is the coming of Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about. Not family, not presents. I mean, it, we love our family, and it's good to I I am, like, the biggest I love being with my family. Any chance I get, I'm gone, and I'm going up north to be with my folks or my family because I love it. But that's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about Christ coming and dying for our sins, that he came to live as a man. It's amazing. And so as we are tracking through this series together, we want to pull out different stories of this and to just to get a full picture of the incredible dynamics that were going on in Scripture during that time. And so last week we kind of highlighted the angels and the magi, or the, I keep saying that, the shepherds and the magi. This week I kind of want to study and take a look at and put ourselves in the place of Mary and Joseph. To hear their story, to let that truth become fresh in us again. And to help us do that, I have a quick video for you. And so if you want to put your eyeballs up at the screen and uh, let's watch this video can we just take a minute to realize what that must have been like? What that must have been like for Mary. What that must have been like for Joseph that, you know, an angel appeared to her and told her, hey, you're going to be carrying a child and it's going to be Jesus and he's going to save the world 
can we just for a minute appreciate the weight of that and what she must have felt in that moment? And then the, the anticipation of having to go and talk to her fiancé, going bef- telling him, look, hey, I'm pregnant, but it was God. <laughs> right? That is the reality of what would happen. And for Joseph to hear that, wait, what? You're, you're pregnant? Yeah, but it, it was with God. God spirit overshadowed me and I'm pregnant with the savior of the world. What? I, I be, did you hit your head? Are you okay? What an incredible call. What an incredible task. I can't imagine what that must have been like. And for a second, I want to do that with you guys, to imagine what that would have been like. You know, I remember when uh, Deb and I had Peter Benson, my son. He was the guy in the back with the plaid shirt, messing with his thumbs. He was kind of singing. And, um, you know, I remember when Deborah had him and w- the whole process that we went through at the hospital and, um, you know, it was an induced labor and we were there for like two years before the baby came out because he was enormous. And, uh, you know, it was like that whole process and it finally came through and he came out and then I'm like, okay, we can go. Yes. Oh, wait, no, we can't. Three more days, Mr. Benson. And uh, we stayed there. They do the tests and all that stuff. And, you know, like it's just an emotional time. We're tired. I mean, I did all the work. And um, oh, I was just so tired. You got to identify with me for a minute. And, um, you know, it was just it was real hard to watch Deb do all that. And, uh, you know, it, it was crazy. And then there's the moment where we're finally released, right? Parents, you know what I'm saying. Like, you're like, okay, you can go home. And I'm like, all right, sweet. And so they, you know, wheel Deb down on the wheelchair. And, uh, you know, I had Pete, and we had the, the car seat in the car that we had practiced putting in and out, you know, right, to be, to be ready. And so we're thinking we're ready. And then, you know, I, we get Deb, and we put her in the, the passenger seat of the front and shut it. And we get the baby, Peter Ben and we put them in the back and I strap them in and I go and I sit down in the car I shut the door I put my seatbelt on I turned it on and the weight of everything hit me in that moment I think I went home and drove 25 miles an hour the entire way home from Sparrow Hospital. I was just like, oh, my God, I didn't want to take a turn. I didn't want to hit a bump. I didn't want to do any of that because I didn't, like, the weight of everything, like, oh, my gosh, there's a baby there. And the responsibility was like, oh, my goodness, and I'm driving home to drop Deb off at the house. That was an incredible moment in my life just the weight of parenthood, the weight of there's a life that I'm now responsible for, the, the weight of if I get in an accident, this poor little baby, he's just a little guy, you know, that is incredible. Let's imagine that in the case of Mary and Joseph, but this time you're raising God. <laughs> Jesus is God. God is Son, Jesus, and you have the responsibility to raise him. That is so incredible. Like, hey, Jesus, don't touch it. Or you can touch it. You made it. I don't know. You do whatever you want. I don't know. How do you parent that? How do you navigate through that? What a call. What a call for Mary and Joseph. 
I can't even imagine. Uh, you can see in the video, like I like at the end, you know, you could show just a flood of emotions that was coming over Mary. Joy, fear, questions, uncertainty, hesitation. Yeah, <laughs> to say the least, to imagine what that must have been like. And then the decision to be obedient. You know, I know they had to have been asking, why me? Why me? Like, this is some pretty heavy stuff. This is like the salvation of every man, woman, and child. This is God's son. Why me? I, I know I wouldn't want to have done it. And I think for many of us, we can ask ourselves that question. Whenever God places something in our life that we are to do, a calling or a purpose, which I believe we all have, we could be asking ourselves, why me? Why me, Lord? I'm not qualified for this. I know Mary and Joseph must have felt the same way. I can't do this. Why me? What's special about me that I'm going to parent and love and take care of the Savior? Why me? And I think we can answer that in a couple of different ways. I think a case could be made in the lineage of Mary and Joseph. You know, in the two different accounts we see in, in Matthew and in Luke, there's, there's an account by Matthew it's very long, <laughs> and there's an account in Luke that's not as long. And when you study the two together, back to back, you read the lineage accounts that, they, you know, it could be a little confusing, and there's an opportunity there for you to think, well, this might contradict a little bit. But yet it's in perfect harmony. It's so incredibly complex, but yet so divinely orchestrated that it only could have been God. It's just one of the amazing miracle pieces included in the nativity story was the lineage of mary and joseph we see through through uh, joseph and matthew's account that it shows christ legal that christ as the legal heir to the throne through the royal families or royal ancestry of david on down to the king of israel he he had right to the throne which is amazing that happened kind of through Joseph's lineage. And so it, when you read through Matthew, you can see how it traced all the way down through to Jesus, how he was the legal heir of the throne. And Joseph, being Mary's husband, was able to pass on that right to him. And let's pause and acknowledge the fact that Jesus had a stepdad. Isn't that amazing and beautiful and wonderful all at the same time? That Jesus had a stepdad? His name was Joseph. Isn't that cool? That's not a point. I was just throwing that out there. You know, so through, through Joseph, we can see he, he was able to, to have a claim on the throne. And then we see through Mary and Luke's account, we see through Mary and Luke's account that he was a blood descendant of David. And you can trace that all the way through. And the fact that there are two genealogies surrounding Jesus' ancestry was amazing. As amazing as... He was so divinely orchestrated, all of that, you know, because it, it fulfills the prophecy about Jesus, the prophecy about his life. So I think there can be a case made there that why Mary and Joseph, a case could be made, 
you know, that uh, because of their lineage and who they were, to fulfill the prophecies about them coming Messiah, who he'd be, that he would have those um, things about him. But I think more than that, I think more than that, a case could be made uh, as to why them, why they found such favor, as the angel put it, you have found much favor. One of the reasons would be a testament of their character and the ability to trust and accept the truth God gave them. In both accounts, we see their response to the message. And we see their noble character at work. We get a picture because I believe God could have fulfilled that lineage any way he chose, but he chose to do it through Mary and Joseph, that they had found favor with him. And in fact, Matthew 1.19 says this about Joseph. We read it before. It says, and Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, or some versions would say, you know, he was faithful to the law, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. And even though his initial plan when he found out that Mary was pregnant, in his mind, seeming to be unfaithful. After all, that's how babies are made, folks. And uh, for him to see that, to know that, know that it wasn't him, but yet didn't want to make a public disgrace of her is a testament to Joseph's character. You know, in a society where she could have been stoned or or outcast, severely persecuted. But, you know, the scriptures say he didn't want that for her. He didn't want to do it. He was just going to do away with this secretly. Shows us that Joseph was a, was a righteous man and had good character, doesn't it? But not only that, not only that, that he was going to deal with this in a quiet fashion as to not to shame Mary but after he had a dream and the angel came and, sh- and spoke to him in his sleep, told him that it was God's son, it was from the Holy Spirit, and he's to take Mary as his wife. Can you imagine waking up? I would have been like, whoa, that was some crazy meatloaf. <laughs> Seriously, like, what did I eat? That was nuts. I'm nuts. This is nuts. But that was not Joseph's response, was it? Joseph's response after he woke up, we read it in uh, Matthew 1, 24 and 25. This was Joseph's response to that truth. This was Joseph's response. He says, and Joseph awoke from his sleep. He woke up and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. That's incredible. That is an incredible act of obedience. And he took Mary as his wife. Now get this. So he... He, you know, he wasn't going to disgrace her, showing his character. He believed God, and he did what he said, right? That's a testimony to his character. And then he said, and he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and called his name Jesus. And at the time that Mary and Joseph were in Bethlehem, they were married, they were together, but yet he never um, consummated their marriage. That's the biblical terms. Um, never consummated the marriage out of respect for the Savior that lies within I'm telling you, we can all attest that waiting till marriage is hard enough, but afterwards it's game on. You know what I'm saying? And for, <laughs> and for Mary and Joseph to wait and to, out of respect, and they were young. They were young 
they weren't, they weren't old, for them to be able to control themselves, that's a testimony in itself, isn't it? That's awesome. That's amazing. Kids, it can be done. It can be done. You can wait. You can control yourself, your urges. Mary and Joseph did, even after their marriage. God's just asking you to wait till you're married. So there's a, there, that, that right there blows my mind. That was one of the truths that, as I was reading through us, I'm like, that's amazing. That's amazing. God's so good. They were married. They slept in the same bed, but controlled themselves. That's a testament to their noble character. I think a case could be made. And one of the reasons why God chose them is knew they were trustworthy. They had noble character. We see it in Mary. Oh, do we see it in Mary? Don't we? We see it, um, her faith, her obedience in Luke 1. After the angel, you know, appeared to her um, and told her this mind-blowing thing that, like, I can't even fathom, okay? You know what her response was? I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled, Luke 1.38. I am the Lord's servant. May your words to me be fulfilled. That's incredible amount of faith. You know, it blows me away. I can't help but my mind wander back to when God made the covenant with Abraham. And uh, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And in this moment, Mary took God at his word and said, okay, I don't understand it. Her only question was, I'm a virgin. How's that going to work? Okay, that was, her, that was her only question. But after that, it was, may your words to me be fulfilled. That's incredible. And not only that, if you uh, fast forward to, to verse 46, Luke 1, 46, Mary began to sing a song of praise packed full of scripture references in there, and she sang it unto the Lord. It's amazing. Let this wash over you this morning as we sit here. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Which is so true. Mary raised, through her obedience, raised the status of women. The sanctity of motherhood was raised in that moment. All generations will call them blessed for the mighty one who has done great things for me. For me, his whole, holy is his name. His name is so holy. Verse 50 says, His mercy extends to those who fear Him. From all generations to generations, that's all of us, His mercy extends to us if we fear Him. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their, inner, in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones. That's a great reminder for us as we, um, you know, get, get through the whole presidential and all that crazy stuff. God puts and moves and puts in, takes out, and ain't nothing to God. God re brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised his ancestors. That was Mary's response to the word. That was Mary's, um, you know, faithfulness at work, her, her faith in action. A song filled with scripture and praise. That's incredible. 
And the fact that Mary and Joseph were together at the nativity, married, was a miraculous testimony to God's goodness, faithfulness, and love. It's amazing. It really is. And so this, this morning as I close, I'm going to invite the worship team to, to come back up. I want to ask a couple questions this morning. One is, what is our response to this, to what God did? What is our response? And, and our first response, I believe, that God is calling us, he's saying to ask him for the ability and the grace to receive his word, as Mary and Joseph did, not only to receive his word in faith, but respond with great obedience. What is God saying to you today? What call has God set on you? What thing has he put before you to accomplish? I believe that each one of us have a divine calling. The ministry is for all of us. All of our ministries look different. All of our ministries are not the same. But let's not make the mistake to thinking God does not have an incredibly huge call on your life. So for some of you, you might be facing that call and thinking, I can't do this. I'm unqualified. This is impossible. I'm scared. But God is saying, hey, look, my grace is enough to get you through this. Just believe. Maybe some of you are like, I don't know what the Lord wants for me to do. I don't know what God's calling me to do. I'm just trying to make it. I'm trying to pay the bills. I'm trying to buy all the Christmas presents. I'm trying to beat this sickness. I'm trying to just trying to make it, man. God is saying, no, that's not what I have for you. Just trying to make it, don't worry about that. I make those details happen. I'm calling you to be faithful. I'm calling you to take the truth that I have placed in your life and put it into action. So if you don't know what your call is, what God has called you to do, I'm going to invite you while we go into this next song to pray and to ask God to give you a big dream, a big call, because I believe that each one of us have a specific thing that we're uniquely gifted for, that God has for us, that was in his mind since the beginning of the world. And for those of you facing that giant, believe that God's going to be there and his grace is going to get you through. And the second thing is I want you to recognize that God chose you for a reason. It wasn't by accident. It wasn't for some mysterious thing. It was because God sees something in you. He sees the value. He knows that you're gifted. And he's calling you to act. So I'm going to invite you you know, if, to respond. We've got to respond in some way. Christ coming into the world means something. 
to you. It meant something to the world. It is of the utmost importance. What is God calling you? What's your part? Mary and Joseph played their part, and we can see all the great things that God did in them and through them. And he's saying, I want to do the same kind of things through you. So I'm going to invite you to respond in whatever way you see fit. You know, whether it's to come to the, the altar here and sing with us, whether it's to stand and worship at your seat, to sit there and to let, you know, what God's walk. I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. But I know there's something. And I want to encourage you to find it this morning as we seek him. Yes, God. Lord, you are so good. God, we thank you for coming down as a man, for coming into this world for the purpose of reconciling your creation back to yourself. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice. God, let us not become callous or desensitized to the message that, that you came and all the things that surrounded your birth and your life and your death, God, Lord, was miraculous. Was miraculous, God. Let the weight of that sink into our hearts this morning as we celebrate Christmas, Christ's Mass. God, that our hearts would be set on you. Our eyes would be fixed on you, God. And Lord, may, our, may the, the story become fresh in our hearts the truths be fresh in our hearts, Lord. Help it to cause us to live differently, Lord. God, I pray for every person in this room. God, that you would reveal to them your call on their life. Their mission, their ministry, whatever that looks like for them. God, that you would reveal that to them. You would give them the faith to receive your word and know that they're equipped. That they are a blessing. That they can do it. They can live it out, God. Help them to see themselves as you see them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if there's anyone in this room as we are in this attitude of prayer, had not had an opportunity to respond to the gospel, had an opportunity to give lordship of your life over to Jesus, to accept him as your savior, and to ask him to, to enter your, your life, your reality, I want to invite you to do that. It's super simple. All you got to do is with a sincere heart confess your sins before him. Acknowledge that he is the son of God. Jesus is the son of God. That he died and he rose again. Give control over your life and you will be saved. That's it. Put your trust in Jesus and accept the free gift of grace. So if you've not had an opportunity to do that, I want to encourage you right now not to wait 
but to respond. If that's you, you can go ahead and just lift your hand. I'd like to pray with you. I'd like to lead you in that prayer. It's so simple. Anyone out there at all in this moment saying, you know, I, I, need, I need to do that. I need to get right. I don't see any hands, and that's okay. But Lord willing, let's jam-pack this place Christmas Eve with somebody to say yes. God, be with us. You are with us. Emmanuel, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your word. Help us this week, God, be a light to the world, to live out our calling. Help us walk hand in hand with you, to meet with you. Every day, we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. And all God's people said, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, guys, thanks for meeting with us today and joining us for our family service. I pray pray you have a great week, a blessed week. We'll see you back here next week for another truth of God's word. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you as you go.